Support for this podcast comes from the Florida Atlantic University College of Business, home to over 8,000 students, seven departments, six centers, and an impressive offering of interdisciplinary and professional development programs taught by the college's world-class faculty. Learn more at business.fau.edu. Hello, I'm Jen Mullins. And I'm Ryan Swano, and this is what's happening at FAU Business. In the coming days, we're planning to bring you a series of episodes dealing with the coronavirus, and helping us with those is Dr. Jennifer Atanito, an instructor and researcher in FAU's Health Administration Program, which is part of the larger management programs department at the FAU College of Business. Dr. Atanito holds a doctorate in public health and has performed research on subject matter like the HIV virus. She has extensive training in epidemiology and disease prevention and is also on the curriculum committee for the FAU Center for Emergency Management. Today's episode, which is part one in the series, is a discussion about flattening the curve. For more information about the health administration program at FAU Business, visit business.fau.edu health. Thank you, and we hope you find this beneficial. Hi, Dr. Atanito. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. First question about the coronavirus, why exactly are we referring to it as a novel virus? You know, what exactly does, does the novel part mean? Yeah, okay. So novel doesn't mean that the virus is interesting, although it is. Uh, it means that this is a new virus. This is uh, called SARS-CoV-2. That's the name of the virus that causes Uh, COVID-19. Novel is important because nobody had immunity when this virus emerged. Um, Coronaviruses are part of a family of upper respiratory viruses. It includes uh, SARS and MERS, but each one's different. And so this one is novel in and of itself, and nobody was immune at the time that it came up. Can you explain to us what flattening the curve means and why we should be doing it? Yeah, I can. It's become, it's right, everybody says it all the time. Does anyone know what they're talking about? In epidemiology, we're able to see and even predict the course of an epidemic by mapping the illness progression rate over time. It can also show the disease's magnitude, uh, its trend over time, incubation periods. And so that's what we do in epidemiology. The y-axis is the number of cases from the point of illness, and the x-axis is time in hours or days or weeks. Usually that time period is uh, a quarter of the incubation period. So uh, some outbreaks have a steep incline like Ebola, which was highly infectious, and then it had a steep decline because it was controlled very rapidly. HIV, on the other hand, had a steep incline and then a very slow decline. This virus, COVID-19, so far has shown to have a steep incline. It's highly infectious. Um, So what we're trying to do is flatten the curve, meaning reduce new infections. Um, And... Uh, We do this for one reason and one reason only, and that's to reduce the burden on the healthcare system. It doesn't reduce the number of people affected overall, but it spreads it out over a longer period of time so we don't uh, overburden our healthcare system. Flattening the curve does nothing for total prevalence throughout the course of the pandemic. Um, But people with serious illness will be able to receive better care and our health system will not crumble under the pressure. And so that's extremely important. So it's flattening the curve isn't about diminishing cases, it's more managing and not flooding the system. Exactly, exactly. It's an emergency response, really, at a time when you don't have a vaccine or good treatments. 
I mean, in a sense, it can potentially reduce the total number because we're spreading out the length of time that people are infected. It means, you know, potentially a vaccine and better treatments could be revealed during that period of time as well. So it could have that effect, but that's not the goal. The goal is just to keep people out of the hospital. And does flattening the curve have a, a particular duration? Like how, how is, for example, how is the U.S., when they say, okay, let's flatten the curve, I imagine that there's, some, <laughs> there's probably a lot of data involved, but they have an idea of how much they want to flatten by and like how long, how long does the flattening take? Do <laughs> yeah, they, they have a goal? Yeah, I mean, it's based on what our healthcare system can endure. At our, the number of uh, beds available, the number of ventilators available. And so there's this sort of, that's where it's deter- the flatness is determined on what okay. the healthcare system can manage. Okay. Um, as far as how long um, until we have better, uh, better responses, because this is all we have right now. So how might widespread testing change outcomes? Widespread testing can change everything, to be honest. Uh, Right now, we don't even know how many people are infected. We can't trace contacts. We don't even know the real mortality rate. People have said everything from 2% mortality rate, 3% mortality rate, half a percent mortality rate. It's all over the place. We don't know how many people are infected. In places where uh, they have been able to um, institute real widespread testing, the mortality rate has shown to be a lot lower than we think. Um, Not only will we be able to understand the impact of the illness, individuals are going to have a better opportunity to uh, modify their own personal behaviors as well, if you know whether you're infected or not. Right now, we're only telling people with symptoms to get tested. The only people who we're telling to get tested are those who uh, have symptoms. And many people who are asymptomatic could potentially be transmitting this virus. So widespread testing is super important. Ideally, we'll have cheap, easy testing. If possible, even home testing, that would be great. Health departments and the CDC Uh, We'll have the opportunity to randomly test samples of the population, so we'll get better snapshots of of the who, what, where, why, and when of the epidemic. We can isolate the sick this way, protect vulnerable, trace contacts. It's worked great in South Korea. They've done widespread testing. It's really, they've done a great job with that. They've been able to keep their curve flat or get their curve flat based just on widespread testing. The sooner we can implement uh, that, the sooner we can get out of the house. I heard this morning, uh, listening to a news broadcast, that the broadcaster was saying that South Korea actually has done um, a really amazing job with, I think you mentioned the the contact list. Uh-huh. That they've contact. been able to do like an extraordinary job finding all the people that someone has been in touch with. Yeah, yeah. they have. Oh. Um, And it's, oh gosh, it's just, it's a great thing. This is why the testing could make such a difference and it reduces the isolation that we have. Um, So they have, they've done a great job with contact testing, with contact tracing. And, um, and that's a, that's a very valuable tool in disease management. A very effective example of contact tracing might be the way we used it to eradicate smallpox. It was uh, an effort, a, an effort of a group of people uh, in India who 
did, you know, in mass just went out and, and traced contacts. And by doing that, they were able to um, sort of contain clusters of people or families of people where infection might be happening. And ultimately this effort uh, resulted in complete eradication of a disease. And the, the fir- probably the first eradication of any disease we've ever uh, successfully accomplished in history. So what exactly does the coronavirus test look like for someone who's um, infected? They go to the doctor and the test is administered. I'm curious what that's like. Well, I can tell you, I mean, it, 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 what I know of it, it seems like they, they, they ram something way deep into your nose, but it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not as horrible as that. I mean, they do have to swab your nose, but it's not, it's not like that bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've seen the visual and it looks horrible. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> Besides flattening the curve, are there other approaches to managing viral epidemics like this? Yeah, there are a lot of other approaches. Flattening the curve, it's our initial approach when we have a limited when we have limited treatment, uh, no vaccine, poor access to testing. It's like a basic survival approach. It's it's as if there's something scary out there. We're not sure what it is. We have no weapons, so we stay in the house. As I mentioned, widespread testing is necessary. Most importantly, we need to develop what it's called um, herd immunity. And that occurs when the majority of the population, about 83 to 95% of the population is immune. And that can occur either through natural exposure or vaccine. So if you do get this virus, you become immune just like anything else. So there's no actual vaccine yet. But if we can identify and make available treatments that reduce mortality, and protect, we can protect the vulnerable populations. And plus, if we can implement the widespread testing, the rest of us can now venture out into the world and potentially become exposed to some degree. A lot of people are getting mild illnesses and just like the cold or flu. And if we do that with caution and we know how to protect the vulnerable populations, we can start to develop this herd immunity. There's also a potential class of drugs that are being explored that can serve as sort of a proxy for a vaccine, and those are antiviral drugs. And again, with HIV, we, we did that successfully. A lot of the antiviral drugs reduced our viral, the viral load in a person who was infected to the point where they can't transmit that virus any longer. And anti, we found that antiviral drugs can also be used pre-exposure or post-exposure as a preventive measure. So that's sort of a proxy for a vaccine. Ideally, Though a vaccine is actually the gold standard response. That's the goal that we're all hoping to get to because nobody wants to have to get sick at all. But a vaccine's still a couple years out. So in the meantime, managing symptoms is the next step. So identifying those drugs that are going to reduce mortality will help make the population safer so we can protect the vulnerable. Another thing that I think is hoped for but we can't predict is that the virus itself, oftentimes viruses like these, will mutate over time and weaken and die out. And that happened with SARS and MERS. Um, so we could hope the same with COVID-19, but that's, some, that's too unpredictable. Um, it does, it's just something that we can hope for. Dr. Atenito, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I wish everyone uh, good luck and stay safe. 
What's Happening at FAU Business is part of the FAU College of Business podcast network. Learn more at business.fau.edu slash podcasts.